Welcome to Business Bugs Live. We talk about crypto, business, tech, finance, and other interesting relevant topics to keep you up to date, especially in the world of crypto. My name is Carlos McCrary. I'm the co-founder of Business Plugs, and I'm here with Jordan Smith. He's our CEO. So let's get plugged in. Um, yeah, man. So last week, we kind of talked about the Ethereum merge, and we talked about this Ethereum proof-of-work uh, chain, uh, EW. And uh, yeah, I don't know if there's something specific uh, you want to mention about that since you were uh, bringing it up last time, or if we should, or if I should go into kind of some of the stuff that I've researched in the meanwhile. Now, go ahead. Go ahead with whatever you need to bring up. All right. So um, what I've come to find out during the last week is that the Biden administration uh, basically calls on our government agencies to provide recommendations to the crypto sector. Um, oh, OK, sorry. This is not about Ethereum's proof of work chain, actually. Uh, my apologies. So but this is still relevant. Um, Biden administration calls our government agencies to provide recommendations to the crypto sector sector. So we do see um, regulations uh, in increasing. Um, the U.S. Treasury was out with three new reports last week, and I think we, you mentioned this to me during the week, Jordan, about this report. Um, but the report warns that cryptocurrency uh, is basically risky to consumers, investors, and businesses if not properly regulated. Um, the government also recommends moving forward on a CBDC, but they basically stopped short of recommending one. The report offers general recommendations for stopping risks, um, but it does not offer ideas for specific regulation or legislation. Um, this report encourages the SEC and CFTC to aggressively pursue investigation and enforcement actions against crypto companies that are not in compliance with laws. And the third part of this report notes on how to crack down on fraud and money laundering. There's a reiteration that agencies should take uh, enforcement action. So um, I don't know if you got a chance to read or look into that uh, before like I did, but maybe you have some points uh, to that, Jordan. Yeah, um, so at this point, it's a complete waste of time to pay attention about what anything the government's doing, whether it's good news or bad news. You know, um, this is life-changing technology, and it's going to take time for people to accept that. So some governments are going to create their own rules and regulations without truly understanding the technology. So you can create rules and regulations, but do you actually have the network or the capabilities of enforcing those rules and regulations? That's why it's important right now to focus on the cryptocurrency projects that you believe in. Um, I believe that the United States government at some point, um, they're gonna crack down on stable coins. They're gonna crack down on coins like Leash, for example, coins like Shiba Inu, maybe even Dogecoin, they're going to crack down on different coins and call them Ponzi schemes, call them securities, what, what have you. Um, it's because they don't really understand that it's code and they don't understand what the code does. And if they do, then that's a different story. There's a lot of people who do understand that this is a threat to their lifestyle because it's changing um, the balance of power in the world. I agree. I agree. And we talked about this several times on this podcast. I mean, they are really coming after stable coins. Um, I've said this for a while. I think the number one stable coin is going to be USDC, um, Circle Stable Coin, that it's actually partnered with Coinbase. 
Um, but that obviously remains to be seen. So I, um, to continue on this report, I have a lot more information on this report. I don't know if you want me to go through some more of the information that I've seen on this uh, report. The official name of it is the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Um, or do you have some other points that you want to get into? Well, it's important to note this week that um, Tether was ordered by the U.S. judge in New York to produce financial records relating to the backing of USDT as part of a lawsuit. Uh, the order requires Tether to produce general ledgers, balance sheets, income statements, cash flow statements, profit and loss statements, as well as records of any trades or transfers of cryptocurrency or other stable coins by Tether, including information about the timing of the trades. So um, this is something I've been waiting to see. Um, very interested to see if Tether actually has all of their claimed U.S. dollars. If they actually have it. I've, I've done a lot of re research. I don't think they have it. I think they have a lot of debt. A lot of people owe Tether money. Tether money. Excuse me. Tether money. Um, I think they only have like 5% of whatever their entire holdings are in actual cold call, cold cash. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I know that Binance, uh, we spoke about this offline. I think Bi Binance has their own stable coin, BUSD. So it, these stable coins are basically an attack against the dollar. And I think you saw the euro. Didn't the euro go to 98 cents this morning or yesterday? So there's an attack against the dollar. And I think a lot of U.S. politicians understand that they cannot kill Bitcoin. And so their next step is to get rid of stable coins somehow because stable coins is a direct threat. I know I understand Bitcoin is a direct threat to the U.S. dollar, but Bitcoin is kind of different in terms of its value and what it does. The stablecoin is basically saying, hey, you don't need to keep your money in U.S. bank accounts like Chase. You can just keep it in Tether and we'll give you a certain percentage. And usually this percentage is higher than U.S. banks right now. So um, you don't really have to go into that report very too, too much. Um, Biden administration is going to continue to do more research because they're behind on this technology. I mean, a lot of people thought it was a joke. They thought it was a scam. And now they see that Bitcoin's not going away, even if Bitcoin's only 18,000 and something cents today, even if Ether's only 1,200, like this is not going away and you better jump on the train or get off. So if you go back to our talk on August 27th, um, we did talk about Tether. I'm glad you brought that up because I did not hear about that this week. Um, but uh, Tether basically um, a few weeks ago hired an accounting firm to provide proof of the assets that are backing uh, USDT. And they basically cut their com uh, commercial paper, which is risky corporate debt holdings uh, by 58%. Um, so basically, uh, I'm not going to go into uh, what their holdings are exactly. If you're interested, you can go back and check that episode that we had on August 27th. Hmm. But I would, I would contradict and say maybe that's the view that the United States government has. They may see that stable coins are um, an inherent risk to the financial system. And maybe they are, but I think what they generally are looking at right now is terrorist stable coin, which was an algorithmic stable coin that kind of just wrecked the, and you could see that it kind of hurt the entire 
crypto uh, ecosystem. But if you look at stable coins like Tether, apparently, or like uh, USDC or uh, Binance USD, they should be backed up by uh, actual US dollars. And I think that it's why they make a good case for being a stable coin. And if you are at least a stable coin for the US and maybe possibly a CBDC, um, but these uh, stable coins actually, why they're good, in my opinion, is because they're including more people into the financial system. So if you're, if you ask me personally, my opinion, I think that stable coins are less of an attack on the US dollar, but they're more of an attack on these other currencies that um, are going to be losing their users once they see, especially now that the US dollar is stronger than their currencies. Um, because basically what these stable coins are allowing is they're allowing anyone with an internet connection to hold US dollars. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously my perspective. Um, I think US, I think stable coins are pretty good in the scheme of like financial inclusion. Um, but obviously, uh, in terms of purchasing power and other things like that, right now we're in a recession. Um, I mean, you can obviously have a different perspective there. Yeah, I, I think it, so the merge happened last week. And this is the, it's a huge, so the, the whole merge, people may not realize that there are several different steps to this merge, several different components to it. And it's not, it, the merge didn't end, right? So there's still upgrades that Ether needs to implement and it, going into year 2023. So I think it's kind of confusing for some people to hear all this expectation about the merge and then once it happened the price went down the price didn't go up so there's several different reasons why the price went down and not up um who am i to tell you the main reason why but i don't think that it's alarming in any shape or form that the price of ether went down because of the merge last week there's still over 150 billion dollars in this cryptocurrency and to this date it's it's the best place to build. Um, there's a lot of competition behind it, but so far that if I'm gonna build, if I'm, you know what I mean? If I'm gonna build something, I'm gonna build it with ether. Like if I'm really, if I'm really serious. Um, it, moving forward, it, the, the fees, the fees aren't gonna move away. Like, so if you wanna use the, the ether network, you're gonna have to have a lot of money. It's gonna be expensive. I remember sometimes, I was on OpenSea paying $300 in fees alone just to buy it, just to mint an NFT, not even buy it, just to mint it. So I think it's very interesting to see how Ether is upgrading, but the price went down. The hash rate for Bitcoin is at the highest point ever in the last month. Last month, it got to the highest point it's ever been recorded. And now the price of Bitcoin is down. So this is just another buying opportunity for people who understand the technology, because at one point, one Bitcoin was less than a dollar. Look at the price now. I really still want to talk to you about that because I did some research on it recently, but I want to stay here at Ethereum for a moment. The reason why I do want to talk about that at some point is because this can be considered very serious and scalable, and I know a lot of uh, I know that the, a lot of uh, government agencies, especially the Department of Defense, are going to are really investing or looking into using uh, DAG because it has, uh, I think, pretty much zero transaction fees. 
Um, but I'm interested in getting your, your take. Let's stay here at Ethereum for a moment, um, the merge and the aftermath. Um, and like you said, a lot of people assume that the price uh, was going to go up because of this news. Uh, but actually, um, Ethereum holders decided to sell the news. So I have a few points here uh, relating directly to that. According to Glassnode, more than 1 billion of Ether flowed onto exchanges after the merge. Large amounts of crypto flowing onto an exchange usually means an intention to sell. Intention to sell. So in this case, it seems like there were more Ethereum uh, miners um, that were selling. Um, this was expected, but many thought the demand would go from institutional investors since proof of stake wasted less energy. But according to coin share, coin shares, they were actually offloading ETH the week before due to concerns that something may go wrong during the merge. Um, so they are likely waiting until they know um, that it was indeed a success. So a lot of these financial institutions are waiting as well. Um, people are also concerned about centralization. Uh, Sentiment, uh, a blockchain al analytics tool, found that 40% of blocks on the beacon chain are being produced by just two validators. So that's Coinbase and Lido Finance. Um, Coinbase also reported that over 82% of relay blocks on the beacon chain are being built by Flashbots. Um, so a Flashbot is basically a tool used to track and mitigate minor extractable value. So if you don't know what that is, I won't go into it here because um, it's kind of complicated to explain on the spot, but uh, there's, there are some good YouTube videos out there um, to explain what that term is. My last point here is uh, Gary Ginster also says that proof of stake cryptocurrencies could be viewed as securities. He says that the day of the merge or the day after uh, but he recently said that almost every cryptocurrency is a security. So I'm not, so it's not quite clear why he think he says that, but, um, this is another reason why institutions may not be pouring into ether because they're waiting for regulatory, regulatory clarity about ether status before making any significant moves. So, I mean, those are a lot of reasons why ether dropped. Um, and those, I'm sure there are many more, but I mean, those are the main ones that I came across. Yeah, over over time being in this industry, um, I first realized what proof of work was, and then I learned about proof of stake. And only until recently have I realized that, that there's a significant difference. There's a huge difference between proof of work and proof of stake, and they're, they're different philosophies. And obviously, now that Ether is well, part of Ether, right? Because there's still a, there still is Ether Classic, which is a proof of work cryptocurrency. And there's still ETHW, I think, which is Ether proof of work. So it's interesting. I, I view proof of work as a better, it's better at producing a robust immutable blockchain that has a fair degree of decentralization and it can't be easily tampered with. I mean, Carlos, you just mentioned that two of the biggest validators on Ether, like, that's not decentralization at all. So Bitcoin can't even be tampered with by the rich. That's that's why I think some governments have realized that you know Bitcoin can't be touched because there's there's certain countries right now that are just mining Bitcoin. So it's not just it's just not people in their garages or crazy people in North and South Dakota and Texas that are mining Bitcoin. No, people are mining Bitcoin all over the world whether you're very small or huge corporations, you know, proof of stake doesn't have any of those type of goals that proof of work has. It has a goal of governance in an environmental friendly way that hopes to maintain decentralization, but allows some flexibility of its blockchain. So that's, that's a huge, 
huge difference. And it's going to be interesting to watch over the next year or so how these governments support coins. And I'm, 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 pick, I'm pointing out that I'm noticing that there's some people in government that are supporting Bitcoin proof of work coins, and there's other that are supporting proof of stake coins. So we're, we're at the beginning. It's already happened, but it seems we're at the beginning stages of cryptocurrency politics. Keep an eye on the report from the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, so the OSTP. The report is called The Climate and Energy Implications of Crypto Assets in the United States. So I'm not going to go too deep into this report, just know it's focusing on crypto mining um, and it portrays that crypto mining, ado crypto adoption and mining is increasing. Um, and the, this report is basically attacking uh, proof of work mining. So I'm not going to go too deep into that. Um, unless someone requests that we go into it more, but this is a report from the OSTP, um, and it's basically an attack on miners. But uh, it's, it remains to be seen how how successful these companies are going to be to, or some companies, how the government is going to be to uh, regulate cryptocurrency mining or force people out of the market, or if that's even what they want to do, and if it's, if it's in their best interest. Um, do you have anything else to say about uh, this topic specifically, Jordan, or do you want to hit some other points uh, while we're still here? No, we can continue um, at this at these current prices. If if you are a business now, I would think um, this is not financial advice, but I think that it now's a great time. I would I would definitely be buying Bitcoin if I was a business who hasn't bought Bitcoin before, and if I'm worried and I want to continue to make the business you know, a strong business 50, 60 years from now, now's a really good time to buy Bitcoin. Um, the, I, I, you, do you see a, a price going lower than this? It's, there's a lot of things happening in the US economy, but also China's economy, Euro's economy, um, the European, I think it was the EU, correct me if I'm wrong, the EU or the UK, I think it was the EU finally accepted that they are now in a recession. I saw that this week. So do you think these prices are going up, down, sideways? So that was the UK. So the UK did announce, I think it was today or yesterday, you know, uh, that they are in a recession officially. Crazy. I don't know. I mean, people have said stuff like that for a while, but I guess only people believe it when the government says it. But anyway, that's how it is. Um, uh, no. So... Uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. I'm losing track of days and time. But basically, the Fed's raised interest rates by 75 basis points again. So uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with how interest rates work, they basically uh, tighten the economy. So people will have less disposable income. People have less disposable income or have more like bills and they're making less. Then they're going to have to essentially pull out of their investments in order to pay for, uh, you know, pay for pay for things. Um, or they're not going to have any extra money uh, laid out to the side to be able to put into investments. So, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't think this is the bottom of Bitcoin, unfortunately, um, because the Fed has not made any, has, had made any signs that they are slowing down on interest rates um, based on Jed, uh, Jed, uh, Jerome Powell's uh, FOMC uh, speech. So, no, I, I think it's going lower, but I don't know how much lower. Um, I don't know how many people have diamond hands, as they say in this crypto world. Um, but I know uh, 
the interest rates aren't slowing down. There's going to be less disposable income. I don't see a bear market or a bull market, sorry, anytime soon. So um, maybe another point uh, that I can speak about is that uh, I'm not sure how much you've been looking into uh, privacy coins lately, but um, major exchanges are starting to have pressures to delist privacy coins. Uh, Huobi uh, is one of the most recent ones to comply. They delisted Monero, Dash, Verge, Zcash, and others. Um, KuCoin is also in Seychelles like Huobi, so it may be subject to the same pressures. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got that from Coin Bureau. That's actually probably speculation. Uh, a lot of these privacy coins would struggle to survive if Binance were to delist as well. So, like, you know how big Binance is. So, imagine if, like, Binance were to, were to delist uh, Monero, Dash, Verse, Cash. Like, that would that would change so much. But they're not under the uh, same scrutiny as, well, maybe they are. I don't know enough about the laws and regulations of Binance, but they have so many different coins and they have so much volume on their platform. Like, if, if, a, plat if a coin gets delisted, that can have uh, huge implications to that coin. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts and perspective or perspectives are on that. Obviously, I mentioned that being in the cybersecurity space, privacy coins pose a huge risk, um, but they also have a lot of positives as cash is also anonymous. So it's really interesting to see how this plays out, in my opinion. So let's just say Monero got delisted, right? Let's say Monero got delisted from Coinbase. Bitmark, KuCoin, Binance, Kraken, you name it. I think Monero would still be available on other DEXs. Like there's some, there's so many other, I know um, Shiba Inu has its own DEX. Vaporfy is creating its own DEX. There's so many other places. I could probably go to Uniswap as well. I can go to KuCoin. There's so many other places that I'll be able to trade Monero or any of these coins that it, it, it if, if it does affect the coin, it's going to be short term. Maybe like that short term is in maybe six months or maybe a year. But in terms of like a five or 10 years, if these exchanges drop some of these coins that are supported by the cryptocurrency community, then they'll still be traded on DEXs. They'll still be traded. And that's what, that's the, that's why I tell people like my dad, like I'll always be able to sell my Bitcoin. Like I can go somewhere. I'll always be able to sell leash. I know I'll always be able to find a seller for it. It's not like um, just because these exchanges delist these coins means these coins don't exist. The protocol just evaporated. No, there's other places. It does make it a lot uh, harder and difficult and it could bring a lot of people you know, it could make people worried because I understand the convenience of just going to, you know, going to Coinbase. It's it's easy going there and buying your coins and seeing there and sending them off rather than having to log on to a, an application and then loading your other application, whether that's MetaMask or Ronin or or something else. You know, that's more, you know, it's more advanced. You know, these exchanges make it easy. But, you know, long story short, there's going to be more competition. Right now, we're only talking about businesses, KuCoin, Coinbase. What happens when Chase Bank? What happens with Navy Federal USAA? What happens when they have their own 
cryptocurrency exchanges. So when you get paid via direct deposit, you don't even have to go to Coinbase. The money's already in your account, right? The money's already in your, your bank account and your bank is going to make it very easy for you to transfer any of that, convert that any, any of that into several different cryptocurrencies. So um, the future's bright to see who delists coins and who doesn't delist coins. It's going to be interesting to see how many of these bank institutions, I know they just had like a hearing or uh, very recently, a lot of these bigger banks. I didn't get a chance to uh, catch up on it, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, right now you hear what they're saying today, but in 10 years from now, they'll be telling a totally different story on their uh, perspective on it. It's just going to be, I would say funny. I don't know if it'll be funny in the future. I may or may not be laughing, but uh I don't know if I'm convinced that these uh, companies like Chase, for example, is going to be holding a lot of different cryptocurrencies at present, maybe in the in the distant future. But I do think they are going to be offering stable coins and Bitcoin and maybe like the major cryptocurrencies to their uh, to their uh, to their clients or to their customers. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Cryptocurrency is still very young, so I mean, every year is is a very different year than the year before. That's kind of why it's interesting. Um, but uh, that's also a very interesting perspective on the uh, privacy coins. Decentralized exchanges are obviously not going to die off because we're talking about code. I think one thing that people are going to be worried about with privacy coins is gonna be something like that of what happened to a tornado cash um, where the US government sanctions people who use it. I don't know how they would do that with Monero, but. Uh, it's definitely possible to track um, track um, tracks of uh, these currencies, but not the private the privacy point is really very difficult to and almost impossible in some cases to track. So it'll be interesting to see for sure how this plays out. Yeah, so I'm looking at the market, right? Some of the things that I've been doing this week is analyzing um the cryptocurrency ASIC miner market in terms of these miners that confirm transactions that make people money. Um, I'm seeing the prices of all these miners decrease um, tremendously. Uh, and that's no surprise because, um, for example, Compute North is one of the largest operators of a crypto mining facility. Um, they, they mined Bitcoin and they filed for bankruptcy this week in um, Southern Texas. They owe as much as $500 million to at least 200 different creditors. Um, so that goes to show you that you know, Bitcoin, even Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency industry is so young and it's viable. So if you don't make the right decisions, because it costs a lot of money to buy these miners, right? So for example, looking at the cryptocurrency mining industry, if you would have started mining Bitcoin in 2020, in 2019, in 2021, basically when Bitcoin was above 35,000, it, it was a lot more. It was almost three to five times more expensive than it is expensive now. So a lot of these big crypto Bitcoin crypto mining companies are really feeling the heat because they owe a lot of money and Bitcoin is continuing to decrease in value. So if you're looking to get into the cryptocurrency mining world, you need to understand how long your equipment's going to last, 
and the value and the future value of the crypto that you're either mining or gonna or you're gonna mine the crypto and convert it to something else. Because just because Bitcoin halves in 2024, that doesn't mean that at some point we could see another drop in the price of Bitcoin. So I'm hearing, I see a lot of people on YouTube talking about Bitcoin when it halves in 2024, we could see 100K Bitcoin. Well, we've already seen like a 63, 64 Bitcoin and look what we're seeing this morning. We're seeing 18,000. So um, you have to be careful in the cryptocurrency game because you know, it could bite you in your butt real fast. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I mean, now you've been in it longer than me, but just seeing the ups and downs from 2017 until now, it's really, for some people will give you a heart attack, but I, I don't think it's that serious and being a little bit dramatic. But if you look at um, the charts, you can kind of take that trip by just looking at the, like, zoom out and just see what it was like holding through that entire period. And, um, you know, I mean, it pays to hold in, uh, in tough environments. So um, I'm not a financial advisor. It's not financial advice. But in general, um, buying in the stock market or even in crypto, buying in like recessions and down periods proves to be the most beneficial. So everyone wants to invest when things are really good. But then they uh, uh, it's kind of it's kind of uh, always good to go back to the saying that Warren Buffett said, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. But it's very hard to be optimistic when everything is going down. So um, it takes some gut. It takes really like some gut and inside. You have to dig deep inside of you to um, to really uh, to go through that and also uh, come out on top. I only have one last point. Uh, Corn Telegraph says Russian officials approve use of crypto for cross-border payments. Um, the deputy finance minister Alexei Moisev said the policy describes how to acquire cryptocurrency and what can be done with it, and it used and its use in border across border settlements. So the Bank of Russia and the country's minister of finance have reportedly reached an agreement allowing cross-border settlements in cryptocurrency. What do you think about that, Jordan? Yeah, I, I think that some of America and the America's allies, their rivals are going to support cryptocurrency in some ways, you know, the America is going to attack cryptocurrency. It's just another reason. And, you know, this is just an example that cryptocurrency is here. Bitcoin's here no matter what. It's going to be here and it's not going anywhere. Um, so I'm very excited to see that some of these countries are embracing Bitcoin and they're not, you know, bowing down to the United States government and the, the U.S. dollar that the U.S., you know, finally, there's another alternative besides accepting U.S. dollars or Chinese. Um, so now, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this now, how, how does this affect you? This affects you because the price of cryptocurrency is going to continue to probably go on a downward spiral. So now's a great time to buy cryptocurrency. And it's now's a great time to buy cheap cryptocurrency mining equipment that you can put in your third bedroom or put in your bathroom. Well, with another episode of Business Pubs Live, I thank you for listening. My name is Carlos McCrary and I'm joined again by Jordan Smith as always. If you have any feedback or questions, you can reach us on our social media channels at Business Plugs, or you can email us at business or at info at businessplugs.com. If you like this content, make sure to like and subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to to receive more content like this. Looking forward to it and see you next time.